Bibles, if you would, and turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a privilege it would be to have a share in the kingdom of God. And what a privilege it is for you that are here today that know Jesus and that he lives within your heart and that you share a residence in in heaven's glory. That's a wonderful, wonderful promise and and. Not just a prediction is what he said we have. Jesus replied to this statement with an illustration. He said, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When all was ready, he sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for them to come. But then they all began to make excuses. Let me ask you a question today. Spiritually, your condition today. What do you put more important in your life? Is it riding a bicycle? Exercising? Hunting? What is it? What is it that in your life do you believe that you're using as an excuse for God who saved you now wants to use you, but you throw up all these excuses. My question to you today, what's your excuse? Where's your mind right now? Is it on this sermon? Are you happy to think just for a minute? You can be out of here and be done. You've paid your dues. You've paid your whatever to God. You see, I believe this passage speaks to believers that have been saved, but I believe it also speaks to those who profess salvation. They may not be saved, but they say they are. You see, sometimes we come up on the short end of a stick. Jesus is pretty clear in this. In Luke 14, 25, he says, Great crowds were following Jesus. He turned around and he said this, If you want to follow me, then you, have, you must love me more than you love your own father, than you love your own mother, that you love your own wife, that you love your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even more than you love your own life. If Jesus were to walk in this house this morning, just come up here and turn around, and he were to ask one question, yeah, you have salvation. But how are you serving me? The hours you spend during the week, 40 or 50, does it involve anything? Let me tell you something. When it comes down to it, I promise you, when you stand before glory, he's not going to care how bulging your muscles are, thank goodness. He's not going to care whether you have hair or don't, thank the Lord. What he is going to care about is what, and he's going to bring this to your attention, what you did while you had time here. Not what you gave excuse for. 
Because you, you, you know, you got probably some excuses I could never even bring up. Jesus said in, in Luke fourteen thirty three, no man can even become my disciple without, but without giving up everything for me. Now, there's a difference of being saved and being a disciple. The Bible says, look, I want you to get saved, and I want to send the Holy Spirit to reveal your need for salvation. But beyond that, you have to be a disciplined disciple. To be a follower, that means you have to be willing to have a serious commitment. Many Christians today are like day traders out in the stock market. They, you want to be godly enough just to be accepted by the Lord, but worldly enough to be accepted by the world. And, and let me tell you something. That's not the way it works. That's not even the way it works in the grace of God. What you don't understand is God's not interested in our half-hearted commitments. I don't believe God's interested in our lukewarmness at all, except that it makes him sick. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3 when he was preaching to the church, he said, I would rather you be hot on fire, excited serving me, or cold. Cold means I'm talking about absolutely out of the will of God. Your lukewarmness, he said, makes me sick. You know what? Some say, well, why do you preach that? Well, that's what Jesus said. I'd rather be preaching what Jesus said than what you believe. I'm sure that Jesus' audience expected him to say something like this. If any man will come after me and be my disciple, he should have great wealth, honor, and abundance. But he tells quite the contrary. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, then you must be willing to turn loose, turn away, turn over everything, and follow me. I have heard more excuses of why you can't serve God in the years that I've pastored than excuses why you can't. And most of the time we give excuses because we know we're wrong. All too often we take freely what God gave at the cross. It's eternal life. It's salvation. But then when it turns toward us, we don't give him anything but excuses by the way we live. I used to sing this song. I was going to sing it today, but I looked on it, and Joe's telling me all these different ones I want to sing. I said, well, I'll just read it. It goes like this. Excuses, excuses. You hear them every day. Now the devil, he'll supply them if from church, and I think of church synonymous with Jesus because to tell you the truth, you showing up here doesn't impress anybody unless you're pursuing God and you want to worship intently with the Lord. But if from church... You will stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. In the summer, it's too hot, and in the winter, it's too cold. In the springtime, when the weather's just right, you find someplace else to go. Well, it's up to the mountains or down to the beach or just to visit some old friend. Or just to stay home and kind of relax and hope that some of the kin folks will drop in. Well, the church benches, they're too hard. And the choir sings way too loud. But you know how nervous you get when you're sitting in them great big crowds. The doctor told you you better watch those crowds. They'll set you back. But you go to that old ball game because you say it helps you to relax. A headache Sunday morning and a backache Sunday night. By work time Monday morning, you're feeling quite all right. 
Why, one of the children had a cold, pneumonia, do you suppose? The whole family had to stay home just to blow that poor kid's nose. Excuses, excuses. You hear them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them if from church you stay away. When the people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folk away from church, he offers them to excuses. Well, the preacher we got's too young, or maybe he's too old. The sermons, they're not hard enough, or maybe they're too bold. His voice is much too quiet like. Sometimes it gets too loud. He needs to have more dignity, or else he's way too proud. Well, the sermons, they're too long, and maybe they're too short. He ought to preach the word with dignity instead of stomp and snort. Well, that preacher we've got must be the world's most stuck-up man. While one of the ladies told me the other day, he didn't even shake my hand. Excuses, excuses. We hear them every day. When the devil, he'll supply them if from church you'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. I wonder... How well have you bought into the, your excuse to the point you believe it? And then you're going to stand before Jesus one day, and he's going to expose your excuse for the way it really stands. You see, excuses come a dime a dozen. They're like a lot of opinions. There was a, a doctor one uh, evening who reported that he was driving too fast, like many of us. He made the mistake of driving past a police car. And once the police car saw that, it, saw that, he speeded up right behind him, thinking fast that the doctor, on the doctor thinking as fast as he could, he reached into his medical, medical bag and pulled out a stethoscope, rolled down his window, and hung it out and shook it before the police. He backed down, slowed down, pulled off the road, let the doctor go. A few days later, the same doctor was driving the same road. Again, he passed that same police car. By this time, the police car came up beside him, and the policeman rolled down his window, and he began to stick his hand, and he shook what looked like something real shiny. It was called handcuffs. I really believe that one day, and it may be while we're here on earth, the Lord's going to hold up with cold, steel reality of truth in our life. And let me tell you when I see this normally take place. It's not when everything's going your way. It's not when everything's lovely in your life. It's when you're on your back in a hospital room, when, the, when your legs have been clipped out from underneath you, you've had a car accident or something terrible has come your way. You've had a tragedy and all of a sudden, your excuses just don't. And I'll tell you something that bothers me about my excuses, and I've, I've evaluated them. I don't want God to ever remove an excuse out of my way. You see, some of you use your kids as excuses. Some of you use your job as an excuse why you don't serve Jesus. You use all these things that may make good sense to you, but what happens if God were to remove that excuse away from you? You see, the Lord, he begins in this illustration, first of all, by talking about an elaborate party in verses 16 and verse 17. Look at it, if you would. 
Jesus replied with an illustration. Of a, ma a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When all was ready, he sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for them to come. You see, it was a, a big party. It was a great feast, and many people had been invited. It was a lavish affair, and, and it was held and hosted by a very wealthy uh, person. It was large in the fact that many people were invited, and it was longed for, and it's longed for inside of you and me when we understand that the great feast is equivalent to the salvation and the kingdom of God that you and I have in Jesus, and that he's calling us to come and be a part of that marriage supper of the Lamb one day. But if you and I have all these excuses, why? We can't participate. How sad it is. You see, in context, what we see is the lesson in the parable that the man was God the Father and that God the Father is a wealthy person. He's a person with, that prepared a lavish affair. And you won't know what heaven's going to be like. I'm telling you, it's not going to be crystal. It's going to be one of those fine... Fa Listen, God is a God, while he might, could live on crystals, the Bible says that he is... I mean, we're going to walk on the very thing we cherish here on the streets of gold. You see, your value and God's value is totally different. You know what God values? The children you raise. You know what God values? The testimony you have. You know what God values? The garbage you get out of your life that doesn't affect other people. God values a good, strong testimony. And here, in the context of this passage, we, we move from an elaborate party to an enraging problem. You see, God at this time had given the gospel to the Israelites, to the children of Israel, but they had rejected it. By the way, they're still rejecting it today. And he opened up by the grace of God to the Gentiles and to the entire world, and he said, now all can come and be saved. John 3.16 says, for whosoever will may come. But understand, John 6, tells us, For people cannot come to me unless the Father who set, sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up from the dead. Folks, let me tell you something. You better listen. How can we be saved if we never understood we were lost in the first place? Why would you do something like that? And when the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you're lost or that you're living in sin, he expects us to do something about it and not give him excuses. The Father allows his Holy Spirit to draw us to Jesus. You see, this enraging problem was as they begin, verse 18, to make all these excuses... You know, excuses are just a part of our life. Sometimes excuses are nothing but alibis. Sometimes excuses are your lies. You're lying to yourself. Oh, yeah, man, I'm close to God. You're not close to God. 
or he would be able to use you. I'm not talking to everybody in this house. But don't fool yourself and think that the Holy Spirit has set you up as a mighty giant if you can't even be trusted and used on this earth to serve him. I think you can follow the New Testament long enough to see what he did with the disciples. Sure, we all got problems. Sure, we got hiccups and hang, habits and hang, and sometimes hangovers. <clears throat> and we get into that period of flesh and life. And you know what? God can teach you during some of those things. I'm amazed, but Fred Bacher, a pastor friend of mine, and he was up here and preached all You know, that boy loves Jesus, and he, 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 re, he, he uh, reaches some folks that I look at them, I go, boy, do they really know Jesus? And then when they talk and sing, I say, yep, yeah, they do. But it looked like you wouldn't want to meet them in a dark alley. And I realize you can't judge someone's heart by their cover. You can't do that. Fred Bucker got saved when he was drunk as a skunk. You say, I just don't believe anybody can get drunk or get, well, you believe they can get drunk, but get saved. He did. Well, how drunk was he? I don't know. I wasn't there. But he got saved. I'll tell you what, there was a radical change in that old man. Him and Susie were about to split up. Just about hit the divorce courts. And he got saved. Drinking like a scalded dough. Then all of a sudden, he started doing what he needed to do to get free from it. I said, Fred, do you ever get tempted to drink? He said, are you crazy? I think about Seagram 7 all the time sometimes. But I don't go back to it. Told a man the other day on the other side of the glass. You don't know what I'm talking about? Some of you know. <laughs> you kids, I hope you never have to face me on the other side of the glass. This person said, Mike. I've been delivered. I said, I'll accept it if you never take another drink. Oh, my gosh. Not only did the demons come back tenfold in that individual, but the positive side of that, I looked in his face and I said, guess what? You get another chance. Maybe five years, maybe three years, but you get another chance. You know, not everybody gets that chance. So often, we use so many excuses. So let's look at these three excuses. Verse 18. One man said, I bought a field and need to go inspect it. Is there anybody in here would buy a piece of land then go look at it? Because I got several pieces I'll sell you and I don't even own it. I mean, if you're going to buy it and not go look at it, I'll sell it to you and not own it. That dumb. So it looks very obvious that it was a, an excuse, but understand this. This man was of great accumulation. Now, I know this, and some of you, some of you know this, and you, you'll identify. Some of you in here, you could, you could go next week and not get a paycheck. You'll be fine. God's blessed you. 
You, you can do a lot of great things, but some of you in here, if you don't get payday next Friday, you're in trouble. Especially if you got a bill due, right? Can you say amen to that? Well, let me quickly say that being saved is what's vitally important, but also when we, God calls us to serve, he doesn't want our accumulation of stuff and things and money and and, and work and all this to become so, we, we become so wrapped up in it, it becomes our, our world and our God because he does expect us to serve him. Now, I thank God that there are people who are called to be nurses, and when I get sick on Sunday, I like to see one tend to me. I'm glad that doctors work on Sunday. Went in yesterday, a scariest thing. Bill was in there, uh, Gerald and I see you at Newton. And guess where the doctor was? On the television. I said, how is he going to help Bill right there? He's on the screen. We don't have a neurologist apparently here. At least there was one at the hospital. And he needed an, the, the expertise of a neurologist. And so they did. It's, I, I don't know a better word, but they Skyped him in the room. I said, I hope he don't have to operate. (laughs) Quickly, they tell a, uh, uh, not tell, uh, what's a helicopter? That's what I was trying to think. They come and got him and flew him to Emory. Last night, he couldn't move his leg. It was numb to the bone. Today, I talked to him on the phone this morning, and y'all's prayers are being heard. His leg's beginning to move. Things are starting to do good. Well, I know people that have these things happen to them, and I've seen, uh, I've seen different ones have different things happen to them, and I'm not saying, by golly, that you shouldn't be at home, but, but I, you know, I, I don't understand some things and excuses. Of, we look for anything just to, to not be used of God, and I think, it's, I think it's a serious thing. You know, the Lord provided the appetizers, but, he, but we have to provide the appetite. God provided the meal, but we have to provide the mouth. God provided the sweet tray, but we have to provide the sweet tooth. And when we do that is now. Yesterday's gone. And guess what? Tomorrow may never come. Well, if you die tomorrow, who's going to get everything you accumulated anyway? Somebody said, they're going to have to borrow money to even bury me. Well, some of you don't have to. You've done well. Somebody will get it. Look at the second excuse. Another one said he had bought five pair of oxen and he needed to go try them out. Anybody ever done any plowing behind mules? Raise your hand. A few. G and haul. I know. You don't even know what G and haul means, do you? Well, I ain't going to tell you. Google it. One thing I've learned, you don't plow with an animal at night. It'll hurt you. So it's kind of obvious if he went to buy, if he bought five oxen and he's going at night, when the feast was going on, the party was going on, he wasn't going to do a whole lot of plowing. I I dare say they had generators back then, had them generator lights or anything else. But see, some of your excuses don't make sense either, okay? 
It don't. But you still use them. You see, we see the first one, he gave an excuse of procrastination and or accumulation, and he was blessed, but he was blinded by his blessings. The second one was through procrastination, and he's claiming, I am too busy. Oh, my goodness. Too busy. I've never been a, a one-year pastor in a church that we didn't have difficulty finding somebody to fill a spot or to help out. And here's the, always the excuses. Well, I'd help you out, preacher, but I'm too busy. Well, you know what? God could just unbusy you. You know that. He could. But I don't think you'll be happy about it. The Lord wants to use you. He wants to use me. And I've always made myself available to him no matter what. If, I, if, it's, if I'm flat on my bed in the hospital room, I'm going to make myself available to him. If he wants me to speak on his behalf, I'm there. Whatever I need to do, I am not going to be blinded because I'm too busy or I've accumulated too much. And then the third, verse 20, I just married me a wife. It's probably the only one that makes sense. <clears throat> Some of you guys, bless God, when I got married... I'm the rooster in my house. Yeah, you're always on the end of the bed crowing, asking what you're going to do, too. <laughs> Henpeck. Let me tell you something. When Jesus said to take a wife, that's fine. You wives are to have a godly husband, that's fine. But that doesn't excuse you to be saved. It doesn't excuse you to serve. Now, I, I grant you, I know, I've seen this in my own eyes where people get too busy in the church and they, 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 they don't take care of their families, they don't take care of their wives, and they, and they blame all that. I'm doing this for God. What you do for God will always make sense. And he doesn't expect for you to sacrifice to the point that you're not a daddy or that you're not a husband. I've always been a daddy to my kids, maybe not the best one, but I have always been a daddy to my kids, and I hadn't always been the best husband. But I'm not pulling out. I always have her mindful of what's going on. I try to keep her in the know most of the time of what's going on. Why do these excuses sound so familiar, and why do they work? I believe it's because Satan has used them so long, and we buy into them, and we think it's okay. Someone has very well said that these excuses are nothing other than crutches to support the broken fragments of our life. Sometimes we're just not honest. You know why sometimes we don't serve him? Because we're not spiritually ready to. We think we are. Until we get into the fire. That's probably my greatest concern that I had for Joe. Is getting into this and not being spiritually ready. And it's not what you guys do. It's what the enemy does. He, come, he comes against you in, the, in ways you'd never think about. But you got to start sometime. You got to jump in. I, you know, you, if God's calling, you got to do that. Well... Be careful 
Because in all my ministry, again, I said I've never seen anybody making excuses uh, for going to church, but I've seen a ton of folks making excuses for not going to church. And by the way, none of those hold water, in my opinion. Verse 24, Jesus says this, For none of those that I invited originally will taste of my supper. I want to be a part of the feast. I want to be at the, around the table. And you know what? I don't care what chair it is, just as long as I'm around. And you know what? I don't even have to be around the table. Put me in a nightstand somewhere. Put me a little TV tray somewhere. I'll be happy. I don't have to have the choice seat. I don't have to have the seats of prestige. Not me. They always come with a certain amount of accountability. But then the third thing is an enlarging or an encouraging plan. I want you to hear these verses. I like how Jesus handles this situation. If we can't fill it with those that we invited and they don't listen, here's what Jesus said to do. The servant returned, told his master what they said and all the excuses they made. He's, and the master was angry. He said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys in the city and invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and after the servant had done this, he reported, Lord, we still have a whole lot of room. So his master said, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in and urge them so that my house may be full. Do you know what the goal is for every church on the face of this earth? Every congregation is to fill the house. Now, it presents all kinds of problems because if we fill the house, you may lose your seat. But you know what? If we've done gotten to the point all we worried about is a seat and the time and whether we go out to eat and where we're going to eat and the preacher didn't talk to me today. I, there's a lot of you I don't get a chance. I don't even see you when the end of the service if I'm out in the back. Y'all are quite content buzzing around me, and I'm all right with that. It don't matter. I, I won't know if I'd want to stand an hour going out of church if I'd been in church an hour. I, you're, you're, that's why we got side doors. <laughs> but eventually we'll have a greeter there. We're working on that. Phil led to be a greeter. See me or uh, Blake Alexander or Pat uh, Keith because we're working on putting greeters on campus and they'll be there to say, hope you had a good day. And if you didn't like it, just say, I don't like it. <laughs> Whatever. They'll smile with the McDonald's smile attendee. Well, maybe next week will be better. <laughs> There's some of these things I preach I don't like either. Well, I love you. I'll have to pay you that $5 when you go out. Have you received his glorious salvation? Are you following Jesus with commitment, compassion, concern? Are you allowing the junk side of this life and the excuses that Satan will throw at you to hinder you from doing what God wants you to do? Are you? I wish that I had the ability to do what my little grandchild did. She came to me and she said, Papa, would you coach my team? 
I said, they may not want me coaching them team. I'm a radical coach, you know. I believe win, win, win. I look at them through three years old. We're going to win. We're going to win. I don't do that. I don't do that. Just kidding. They don't even know how to spell win. One of the leaders said, remember, we don't keep score. I said, it's killing me. It's killing me. <laughs> well, I'm having such a good time. I want to tell you what. I could have very easily said, baby, I'm too busy. And I am. You know, you know, I don't believe you. And it don't matter what I'm having to turn down to do that. Because it's worth it. It's not just my little granddaughter. There's some of your kids and some kids of the community. And I'm getting to talk about them and, and scare them to death all about everything. And, and maybe I'll scare them into when they get older, get saved. I'm just kidding. I was so tempted when I was telling them about David and Goliath. And Goliath, I mean, David took a sword and cut his head off. I wanted to say that's so bad, but then I'd had answered the whole team. They'd all had to have counseling. <laughs> but that's what the Bible said. <laughs> My kids are teaching me, yeah, but there's just some things you can say it in a way that don't scare them, slap to death. I'm trying to learn that. I'm a very compassionate. I'll get into what I say, and sometimes I don't think everything what I'm saying. But anyway. They seem to be enjoying it, and I'm enjoying it, and I, I just hope and pray tomorrow night. Pray for us. We're going to have a good game. If you want to come watch, uh, maybe I won't lose my cool. But I hear people say all the time, well, I couldn't coach because I'd lose my cool. Well, if you got that problem, maybe you don't need to coach. But did you, does that keep you from getting married? <laughs> did it keep you from getting a job? They keep him having kids. It's just a selfish excuse. And we need to watch those things and, and realize, hey, man, you know, God loves us enough to die and save us, and God wants us to serve him. And you don't have to know everything. I hear a lot of people say, yeah, I'm not educated enough. Neither am I. And sometimes I feel so unworthy to even be the pastor of the church. But I sure do feel blessed. And, and that God's given me that opportunity. I looked at a preacher last night, and he's kin to Charlotte somehow or another. And I looked at him. He said, I'm pastoring a church and driving a delivery truck. I've sort of kind of done that. I said, how old are you? He said, 75. I said, there's hope for me yet. I looked at him, I said, you have inspired me <laughs> that I might can make it to 75 as long as I can find a church and I can see you because he can't hear. I can't imagine preaching and couldn't hear what I say. Some of you do this every Sunday. You ain't listening to the word I say. <laughs> what do you say wow for? Let's stand. <clears throat> if you're here today, I said this in the, as an invitation. You're giving some of you.